Russ, what color is your ass? <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, it, it's not as it's not as pale as I'd like it to be. Are you saying chalky? It's like I said, it's not as pale as I'd like it to be, and it, it does. It has developed. It's kind of ashy. It has, it's sort of ashy. It has it has developed a few stretch marks over the years, but I'd give it a mod, moderate uh, caramel. Uh, <laughs> Color. It's more, you know, a little, a, not as, not as dark as your, uh, like the, as a modern Rolo, you know, like the candy. It's not okay. as... Oh man, it's sort of, it's sort of the color of a Gibson Les Paul case from 2001. <laughs> that's, that's weird too, because the texture is kind of resembles that too. Inside. Yeah, even the pink. Oh, God. <laughs> it's got, like, old door stickers on it. That's the intro right there. <laughs> wow. Move your black ass. <laughs> what would you say you do here? Have a good Time. All the time. Who did it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? You being realistic. As the story grows.
Welcome back to As the Story Grows. That's the cheesy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Welcome back to As the Penis Grows. <laughs> oh, crying out loud. I might as well just leave it in. We're not going to get further than a few sentences about Scott talking about penis. What, what, podcast, <laughs> what podcast is this again? Welcome back to As the Story Grows. I, I My name is Trav. I literally cannot wait to get this one started. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> Steven is here. How you doing, cuz? I'm doing good. All's well? As well as expected, yes. This 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 has been amazing so far. We've been on the phone for... Welcome to part two. Of over an hour and a half. With, <laughs> over an hour and a half with Scott and Russ from Zayo, and we're just getting started now. That's how technically inept we are with, a, with doing this. This has been a disaster so far. Scott and Russ, how you doing? Awesome. Pretty good? Thanks for being on. Oh, our pleasure. We love the show. We as much as we can. <laughs> well, thank you. Sounded very robotic. We love the sh- we love the show. We listen to it as often as we can. <laughs> He's programmed. <laughs> We're just Scott, really Scott nervous because uh, you know we've got you guys on the show and I'm know, not nervous. Guys are, you guys are like super popular and famous and. I don't know what to say right now. I'm not nervous. Zayo sucks. Nah, <laughs> See, Travis Travis has been chatting with, with uh, uh, Scott for a while. We're new best friends. Best Anyway, thanks for coming on. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, my God. We have been having fun. Me and Scott have been talking about doing this podcast for about a week now. And um, he just wanted some technical. He was like, I never did Google Hangouts before. How does this work? Text back and forth, text back and forth. It's too much. Just call me. We started talking. Next thing you know, we're going down rabbit holes of conspiracy theories. We're talking about Christianity and atheism, and it has been a blast. This has been such a such an education talking to this guy and learning a lot about his side of things and everything, and we're excited to present it all yes. <laughs> to y'all. To y'all. <laughs> so let's start at the end. Because everybody says, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the end. How's the new album coming along? Oh, man. Well, actually, the funny thing is, is Dan just finished up song number nine today. Um, it is just, it's coming along so well. I can't even explain to you how excited I am. Um, this is oh, our, thank God. That'll make yeah, for a great podcast. You know, like... This is our best record we've ever done, and it's the heaviest we tried to be. Like, I mean, we just went back. Why? Why the laughter? What's going on? I'm, I'm taking it face value here. I'm thinking really... he's being serious. Are you guys? Be, are you being serious, Sarah? We're really focusing on the songwriting. Oh. So much songwriting. We really oh, just the, went for it. The solid, the solid state record kids are going to be heartbroken that you were joking. The, the Ryan Downey, the Ryan Downey. Uh, Episode has 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 <laughs> has completely ruined me every time I ask that question now because I'm like, oh, this is the best thing we've ever done. We're so excited to work with this producer, and I feel like, yep, Ryan said they were gonna say that. Ryan said they were gonna say that. <laughs> That's awesome. Serious, <laughs> like seriously, uh, we're really excited. We're really happy with everything how it comes out or how it's come out. Are you? Do you feel that way with every record? No. No. Good. Okay, that's fair. Good. This, I have. This is gonna I have a, I can't wait I, to step through this. Well, let me let me just say. Um, obviously, there's a lot of stuff we can cover tonight, and I know we don't want to probably dabble in the uh, 
all of the old Zaya conversations, but I know there's a lot of kids who are going to tune in who are huge fans of the, you know, first half of your discography. And, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, I'd like to get into some of that, a little bit of that. I don't know how, how far you guys are, how much you enjoy doing that, but we, we sure. have a few thoughts we'd like to uh, present to you guys about that and see what you have to say now in 2015. Absolutely. So, yeah, ready. So, like, when I think about, when I think about the band, um, I mean, I was literally there from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, Cornerstone 96, seeing you guys on the skate ramp. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the band that was then, obviously, there's been a lot of changes. I want. I want to. I'm gonna give you my my Zayo timeline, and you oh tell me God. how accurate this Sometime is. Sometime tonight. All right. <laughs> what a smartass. All right. <laughs> All right. So you guys did um, Splinter Shards. You know, I guess. I guess that kind of. You guys were pretty popular at that point, to some degree. But we, like, we weren't. <laughs> I want to I want to say because of the tooth and nail hype and all that stuff, you guys there was some there was some hype like oh wow that's like a cool label and these guys are an up and coming hardcore band or whatever, but when I went to see you guys in '98 with um, uh, what I thought was the Splinter Shards lineup, I showed up and uh, it was the you know the uh, Blood and Fire lineup, mm -hmm. and I remember when I first heard that I I thought to myself this I kind of had like a Nirvana moment like. The band Nirvana. I mean, like the first time you heard that, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't like what what's going on now, but now it's going to be this from now on." Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when I heard that lineup, I was kind of like, "Holy shit!" Like, whatever album they're doing that isn't out yet, this people are going to flip out. I just remember feeling like that, and it was kind of like the, the 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 sound that would make your band what it what people know it as. But I feel like. Um, Somewhere around like the fourth album, or like you know, I feel like Liberate was like the lineup that everyone knows of or thinks of. You know what I mean? When they think of the the classic Zayo, they're like this the Liberate. This is this is my assumption, mind you. Yeah. So on the fourth album, I feel like that was like a, a transition. You know, like Russ wasn't there now, and like now it's like when you go to a Zayo show, you don't know if Dan's gonna sing, you don't know if uh, they're gonna show up. <laughs> you don't. You don't know if Jesse's gonna wear a Playboy shirt and piss the Christian kids off. You know, it, and it started getting like weird. And like, I just remember feeling like, are these guys gonna blow up on stage and just break up? Is that gonna happen? And uh, it just seems like, from my perspective, like after Liberate, it, feel, it felt like some of the stuff you guys were doing didn't quite like feel the same. And didn't in terms of like the inner turmoil. You know what I mean? It just seemed like. It seemed like Liberate was like a serious, like very strong focused album, and then after that, it seemed like things started to get weird. And I'm not saying the albums were bad; just it just sounded like a different band trying to do too many different things. And getting to know Jesse a little bit, it seemed like he kind of wanted to be a little more like Deftones or a little more uh, rock and roll, and you guys were still sort of metal. And mm -hmm. so, so it seems like once Jesse left the band, you guys kind of refocused and like came out with this sort of like another sort of Liberate album, you know, like mm -hmm. the whole, so am I, am I wrong in thinking there was like a weird dip there somewhere where Zayo was sort of struggling to be Zayo? What do you guys think about my assumptions of your, your band? <laughs> I think your assumptions are pretty dead on, man. I think that, you know, me and Russ, like I, I was personally closest friends with Russ and Dan. I knew them before I knew Jesse really. Mm -hmm. And, 
there was kind of a partnership between us, and then when Russ left, it was tough for me. <coughs> but um, I, I think that's a really good assumption. Yeah, I think you, you kind of made a good point. Because Liberace was a record that was done as a record, and then Self-Titled was a record that I did songs and Jesse did songs, and then Parade of Chaos was a record that I did songs and Jesse did songs, and we weren't a band anymore. It yeah, it a, sort of feels like almost like a studio or a record obligation or a record label obligation. Yeah, it, it definitely took the form of not a team, mm-hmm. but, but it wasn't like we were we didn't like it wasn't like a bit like we fought all the time. It was just that it wasn't the ideas weren't cohesive. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't a, a grand vision. The vision kind of left, and then I right. Yeah, I think that when Russ came back in. For funeral and Dan and all of us kind of came back into coexistence. That's when the, the vision became focused again. Absolutely. Yeah, and you, and you can feel it. It feels like a serious new record, like compared to what had been happening. And it felt like okay. And I don't mean to like say oh it's all from Jesse because <laughs> I know that's no, not no, true. No, it's not, but no. it definitely felt like he needed to go do something else, and you guys needed to either be Zay or or do something else. And then, like, that came out, and it was like, okay, they're going to keep doing this, but it's, like, focused. When it feels did, focused. When we did Liberate, Jesse was in, he was still, like, a coalesced fan. Like, that's kind of what he was in. Right. Right? And then after Liberate, he was definitely opening his horizons to, kind of, like, a lot of different electronic music. Mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Him. He likes yeah, them absolutely. a lot. All that kind of stuff. So, I think a lot of that he wanted to, to kind of, you know, experiment with that stuff. And that's not yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't – none of us were into that, really. Yeah. So we – yeah, like me and Dan wanted to be, you know, we, we wanted to be a metal band. We wanted to be like uh, just a metal band and, and just mm-hmm. – and that some of that helped. I mean, I think it was cool that you had that dynamic in the, in the band. But when your vision's just blurred, it, it's – it's not going to be, you know, as strong. Yeah. I think. I think some of your best songs, at least for my my tastes, are I I still think there's a couple really good ones in those albums. Like I I I have my flaw. My things I don't like so much about self title are more about the production and the uh, the drum mm-hmm. sound and and Me stuff too. like that. But Me yeah. Too. But I mean, I mean, like, "Told to Scream" is like one of your best songs. I mean, you, you know, what I mean, it's 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 in there in a, around a bunch of songs that don't seem as much like the band, but but there's definitely good stuff there. But um, well, no, I yeah, think, it just I think if ahead. we would have, um, you could take self-titled "Create a Chaos," and you could make one good record out of yeah records, you know, definitely. Yeah. Really, that's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that um. <clears throat> It, it's the other thing I that I struggled with. It's weird because the music I was playing at the time was considered sort of on a like a offensive sort of thing or like trying to get reactions out of people. But mm-hmm. I I always thought even then too like I feel bad when you know I'm when these kids come out and they're like Christian kids you know and they want to pray with you and stuff like that and they they're they're there and they're, they can just sort of trust you because it's like oh this is the Christian music I'm allowed to listen to <laughs> you know what I mean and mm-hmm. and then. I always felt that there was sort of an obligation to be responsible with them, and mm-hmm. that was sort of another thing I struggled with, um, and with some I watched you guys sort of struggle with too. Is just sort of like, 
how do you get out of this trap called Christian music? <laughs> and then, and and how, what's the easiest way to do it without completely like alienating your fans or hurting their feelings? Because they're really intense, man. Scott, they want to pray. Scott, can I take a shot at that? <laughs> Ferret Records. Ferret Records. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anything about that label, to be honest. Oh, they, with were, you. they were fantastic when they got on. Yeah. That, you know, Do they still they, exist? No, they sold. Okay. But Carl does have a new label called Good Fight, and I, I love Carl Severson. I, I mean, all, you know, all the guys that work for that label, you know, Portland, Carl, Rick, um, so many, mm. so many of our. I still talk to those guys. So, um, no, I think the best thing to do is, number one, know you are going to alienate some of those people, and be honest with them. Yeah. There's nothing else you're going to be able to do. I mean, people aren't going to like it. What are you going to do? It's so hard because I remember just being like, that. It, the only thing you knew was to go to Cornerstone mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. set up a booth and play on a, on a skate ramp somewhere. And, and then, because you knew immediately, like, a thousand kids would know, would drive all to their states home and then you'd have a fan base, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then, like, somewhere along the way, like around 2000, 2001, it was like, man, I really just want to be a real band and I feel like I'm stuck here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it was an awkward transition when we started uh, playing real venues as opposed to churches, but would Mm -hmm. still play Cornerstone consistently every year. Mm -hmm. So we would be playing real shows, and and more secular fans would be coming out to the shows, and and then we would be obligated to play Cornerstone, and we'd realize, oh, this is why we don't play churches anymore. So it was a a strange transition. I always enjoyed Cornerstone, and and it financially was always a boost for us, but I just, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird, it's a split place, you know, compared to, and you, you want to play with other bands that aren't Christian bands and stuff. You want to play with all the likes, you want to get, you know, you want to open for Neurosis or something like that, and you don't want Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Not that I have, but I'm just saying that's the kind of stuff you picture, like, you want to be in that what's, sort of scene. What's super depressing, too, is when you do what we did, because, I mean, it did help. You, you start in this Christian industry that's, you know, kind of easy to get into. If because really all they're looking for is that you have that belief. It's yeah. I mean, yeah, when you're a good band, then you kind of like can rise to the top. But that's really all they're looking for. So, mm-hmm. but then once you do that, it's really hard, and we're still seeing it to get bands that you admire to look at you as something not that right. Hmm. So. You know, a band like Neurosis, would they even give Zayo a shot? They might look at our history and go, oh, they're not guys we want to play with. I know I just listened to Converge is one of my favorite bands of that, you know, type. Oh, yeah. You know? So, is, like, Kurt Ballou going to play a Zayo show? Or he's gonna, is he going to let Zayo play a Converge show? I don't know. He, well, we're not that anymore, but does that matter? Like, yeah. You've already pegged that, so it's such a hard mm-hmm. thing to do. Oh. We have played with, we've had we played with today is the day we played with Nile. Oh, it's one of my favorite bands. Oh, dude, they're great. And we played with Neurosis too, but that was at a festival in France. Yeah, I figured you guys got the Neurosis cake. We we never got to, <laughs> but you know whatever. <laughs> At least somebody did. We played with um, one of the best tours they did. Honestly, was with In Flames, Devil nice. Driver, and Trivium. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting mix. Yeah. We did. What year was that? Oh, like 2006. 2006. Oh, that late? Okay. Yeah. And then we did a tour with um, with Dillinger. Ooh, that's another. Yay! We did a bunch of tours with Dillinger, um, but we and it was like, I know we did one with Dillinger 
on Earth. See, that's yeah. Like on Earth, we would play, we tour with on Earth all the time. When, when they were like starting out and getting moving, they, we would take them on all the time. Like so, and those guys, there were, there were some people that were just kind of like, yeah, they just liked the band, they didn't care. And then there's some people that get really wrapped up in like what you are or what they think yeah. you are, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, can I ask a question? Yeah. Russ. Yes. When did you leave Zayo and why? Yeah, I was going to ask that. I wanted to know. <laughs> Give it to us straight. <laughs> okay. okay. And please be honest. This Absolutely. is for posterity. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I've left a couple times, you know, I, I guess. We, we noticed. So to speak. <laughs> One of the more famous times is is around you know was around 2001 when uh, I left to pursue film school. Uh huh. Oh. And cool. it was um, and that was a 13th month endeavor. I had actually enrolled uh, into the film program at Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida. Okay. Graduated with my associate's degree. I moved back to Pittsburgh, and this was actually uh, in October of 2001, and. Uh, I had acquired some some work on a couple of film shoots in Pittsburgh, and that's awesome. And then everything kind of went dry, and so I was a little directionless at the time. I I had expected to kind of uh, have more work or to have you know more resources for work, um, but I didn't, and that was a and that was one of the that was one of the biggest reasons to um, to join the band again because <laughs> I had no I had yeah. nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you um, you left after Liberate, right? If I can remember this correctly. Yeah, it was August of. Yeah, well, it was like the summer. Of yeah, like it was on the self-titled. I I had written a couple songs in self-titled, but um, oh, no, okay, I wasn't on that record. So when you left, that was for school. Yeah, that was for at school at that time. So that was the first time. Um, you know, came back and you know I, de- I definitely felt that I missed out on a lot. Uh, there was a lot of that, that was an interesting time period because, you know, Zayo actually, previously before you know when I was in the band we had, you know, the money thing you know as far as financially we were you know barely scraping by but um, but you know when I kind of came back it seemed like the things were a little more organized we were making, you know, a a, a different shift as as to the the whole Christian uh, you know becoming more of a uh, a band that's prominent in the secular scene, mm-hmm. and so um, playing real venues. So I was. Um, it was interesting because I hadn't experienced that. Zay was making a little bit of money, and you know, and, and it looked like the ball was rolling, and, and we were all friends again. So it just it seemed like a great idea. And right. so in 2000, um, the second time I left, it was in 2006, and and by the um, I think it was after. We had played Warp Tour uh, sometime in, I think the, either the springtime or the summertime. I had. Um, I didn't know Warp Tour had metal bands. Weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, think was, I think it was one of the first times they did start doing that. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I always think of like pop punk or something when I think of that tour. Sure. What what al- around what album was this? Just curious. Two thousand six. That was after the funeral of God. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was right. It was kind of uh, we were still touring on that record. So um, so yeah, I I had kind of injured myself on stage. Uh, I ripped two oh. tendons in my knees, doing some uh, Dude. you know some weird antics and, but it was around the time that I got married and and so I just I 
I figured it was the, the perfect time to kind of exit and to, to kind of call it a day. And, and so I, I guess, publicly left. But I was, you know, in the band still. But, I, you know, at that time I was married, and so I wanted to pursue um, my marriage and, and focus sure. on that. But, um, but yeah. Absolutely. Now it's, now it's 2015. You know, I've been divorced for almost 10 years, and I'm in California. <laughs> oh wow! Are you are you pursuing the film stuff still? How's so uh, right, uh, right now I'm actually working for um, an advertising agency. I do. Uh, I'm a visual effects artist. I do a lot of um, the company that, that I work for. We produce a lot of product videos for tech companies like Toshiba, Western Digital. Um, oh, cool. So um, so yeah, I I am um, a lot of ums. That's <laughs> uh, okay. I'm gonna cut them all out. Okay. <laughs> Get that shit out. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, I produce a lot of motion graphic uh, pieces, explainer videos, product videos, 3D animation. Uh, do a lot of tracking, uh, compositing. Uh, a lot of the the cell phone uh, commercials that you see on TV is sort of like the stuff that we specialize in. You're responsible for all those. Um, I'm not responsible, but I'm responsible for. Um, you know, for part of the, the concepting of, you know, similar videos like that. Got it. Right. Um, I do a lot of 3D modeling as well. So, yeah, it's, um, I'm actually, I've kind of removed myself from the dream of being on set and wanting to, to be some sort of, or to have some sort of position on a film set, but I'm kind of content, uh, you know, lying in the visual effects world, or being a part of the visual effects world, so. Do you mind me? Asking while we're on the subject of the film stuff, I'm just curious. Like, what were your influences, and like, what were you kind of aiming to do with that stuff? Because I'm not a film myself. I'm just kind of curious what you're into. That's a good question. Um, so I, I, I really wasn't attracted to. Um, I mean, it, some of my favorite directors are like you know Todd Salons for ones. Uh, you know, he's sort of like an indie quirky, uh, you know, film guy. Uh, and so films like Well Welcome to the Dollhouse, Happiness, all those strange Oh dude, Happiness. Uh, <laughs> oh. Well that that's the same director, those two guys. That, those yeah, guys, yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Palindrome, oh another uh, one of my favorites of his. Oh, right on. And so yeah. I, I really like the simplicity of a natural you know, just cutting from, you know, one one camera to you know, to the next in, in just a you know, in conversation form. And so mm-hmm. just to kind of I don't know. I, I I really want to pursue screenwriting at some point, but I think um, you know, just his type of style of directing and his storytelling is is something that you know always kind of inspired me. Uh, Luc Besson was another one, but I oh, mean, okay. you know, a lot of his films are you know much bigger and uh, you know big budget films like The Fifth Element, and Professional, and yeah, yeah, uh, Subway. But, you ever um, get into the uh, the stereotypical greats like Kubrick or David Lynch or stuff like that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. The, absolutely. I have you know films that I appreciate. You know, I'm, uh, a lot of old Cooper films, but um, but yeah, I'm just a. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Dancer in the Dark by you know uh, directed by oh, Lars von Trier. Oh, Lars von Trier. Have you seen his film Antichrist? Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. Uh huh. That's yep. I have it on <laughs> Criterion Blu-ray, and and I, I, I try to explain to people. Who were like, you're a Christian, but you have this movie on your show called Antichrist. I'm like, no, you don't understand exactly. It's like you just need to like 
try to wrap your mind around what this dude's saying. And Absolutely. It's insane. But yes. he's freaking him. Did you Go ahead. The Nymphomaniac part one I, uh, you know, I, I, I struggled with, do I, do I want to watch it? Mostly because <laughs> of the subject matter. I just didn't see the point. But I knew that he was going to do something more of an artistic film. It wasn't going to be like, sure. you know, yeah. like a porn movie or something. Yeah, but, exactly. but honestly, I kind of felt like he copped out with it. And like that whole wah, wah ending that he did <laughs> sort of made me kind of like, like I, like I kind of get like where he was going and it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I guess I kind of expected that one to be like sort of a, a morality tale where it's like, you don't want to go down this path like this person does. Um, cause I mean, <laughs> who would, right? <laughs> <laughs> How many nymphos do we have on the show? Yeah. Raise your hand. But I mean, it's like, well, the camera's the end, on, but I, Okay, it's kind of like they turned her character into a. I hate to be. I'm sorry. I'm rambling about this, but I just, I, uh, just why you brought it up. <laughs> I feel like they made the character, the female lead there, to be like a superhero or something. It just seemed kind of weird. But I really yeah. liked Melancholia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. But um, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. I, Russ, I had no idea you were into film and all. So and. Actually, one of one of my uh, biggest aspirations, and I'd, I'd like to figure out how to to turn this into an actual career, but um, I, I follow a lot of guys on Instagram and, uh, and on Facebook uh, that are that are really into the whole like analog video uh, type, of, type of look, so there are a lot of guys out there that have found a way to, um, to make a living doing visuals or projecting uh, like live visuals, a lot of like video effect, or excuse me, a video feedback effect type stuff, uh, just ambient visuals for for performances and live events, like and the so background, using, exactly, screen or whatever. Exactly, that's that's okay. like my, yeah, yeah. but using analog video equipment. So that's kind Dude, of that's awesome. Like, uh, and there's there are a lot of companies that produce a lot of like video synths uh, that you know kind of aid in you know in the creation of that those types of visuals. And so, eventually, I, I think you know I'd like to get into that route um, in my to, you know, am I technically there? I don't even have time for it, unfortunately. But I'm, I'm kind of learning about it. You know, in my spare time and. Yeah, that's really it. rad. Very cool. I hope you pursue that, man. That's that's really cool. I always love watching that kind of stuff too. Yeah. You know. Uh, rad. Okay, my turn. Um... <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. It was. I was interested. Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Super great. Now to punish you, I'm going to talk about sports for 20 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Oh, God. I'm going to take a 20-minute piss. I'll be back. Scott, you have a, uh, you have a business also, and I, I uh, found it pretty interesting. Uh, that was a terrible lead-in. I'll try that again. Scott, what do you do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott, you, you got your own thing going on, and uh, I, a couple times that we talked, you were sitting at work doing it and explaining it to me a little bit. I, I think it's super niche and kind of cool. Go ahead. Well, I go to the local colleges and I I model naked. Um, it's, it's no a way. It's a That's way. awesome. And, Ru- and Russ films it. <laughs> Dude, I had no idea you did that. That's great. My friends own a pop culture retail establishment that we sell anything from 80s toys to like movies to video games and um then i kind of just got into that me and russ actually both are collectors of that stuff so uh-huh that's rad man yeah kind of moved 
into something I could do, and luckily one of my friends uh, was willing to let me get involved in it. So yeah, it's been it's been great. I can't. The reason why I'm asking this, and I'm trying not to laugh, is because you have to understand within maybe the first 15 or 20 texts back and forth, when another grown man asks you, do you collect toys? <laughs> I can't tell you what a relief it is to hear that the dude has a business where he collects toys. Because <laughs> I thought it was just a really weird question. Like, do you play with toys? I'm like, well, yeah, you want, you want to trade football cards? Like, I didn't know where you were going with it, really. But... I didn't even express what type of toys they were. They could have been some other kind of toys. That's, that's true. You said they were 80s toys. I miss my toys so badly, though, the ones from the 80s. I'm sorry, I'm getting kind of sad here. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When it all boils down to it, mm-hmm. if you had all those toys packaged, you would probably be able to buy a real studio. Oh, shut up. Uh, uh. A real studio. I know. I, uh, you know, I've been. You're, you're the one that had sound problems for 45 minutes, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> 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 if somebody would have been so uh, prescient enough to realize I could just switch to studio. Yeah, I was just gonna say, how many weeks would it take for Scott to get a hold of you and <sighs> and talk about the original question about mm-hmm. Google Hangouts? So the guy yeah, who's like kind of sidetracked the entire Zayo album alone by himself doesn't know how to run his own equipment. Volley yeah, back right. to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have any? Do you have any of the uh, the the like dangerous toxic paint covered steel Voltrons? Oh yeah, dude. Do you have lawn darts? I, enough <laughs> of the lawn darts. Oh, I, I love lawn darts. I, I actually don't have any of those <clears throat> diecast Voltrons. I do see them very often, and I'm probably going to get sick from them because I do see them, but I don't have any personally. Those are my – that was my favorite toy growing up. They were all – dude, it's, all that stuff's cool. I mean, yeah. They don't make that stuff like that anymore. It's so yeah. safe and boring. Yeah, nope. You can't, you know, they don't want to if you can't anything. poison your kids, it ain't worth it. Or if, you, if the kid can't get cut on it, it's not a cool toy. <laughs> There was a Battlestar Galactica toy that shot uh, missiles, and some idiot oh, wow. choked on them. So they had to like, change all the oh, laws. Freaking idiot! Because they were going to do a Boba Fett with a firing rocket. Well, they stopped. Oh them. man! Yeah, because this idiot choked on a missile. Like seriously, just kill yourself. Man. <laughs> well, he, well, he tried. Did he? Did he? I, <laughs> I, I thought he did. Did he put it? Did he put it in his mouth? And choke on it, or did someone literally like and land it in his mouth, like unexpectedly, like out of a sitcom? You know, it's a good question. I don't know, but seeing how like scared everybody is all the time, it could have been as dumb as him putting it in his mouth. You know? <laughs> right. So that's what I was gonna say. That means uh, that means everything should be against the law. Yeah, exactly. Do you uh. sell any My Little Ponies? Ponies? But Scott goes to all the brony conventions. Tell him about I was that. Just, I was just going there, man. <laughs> Did you not see where I was leading that? Because I'm trying to, like, you know, we're trying to teach these Zayo fans, like, you know, there's other sides to you guys, you know, bronies, filmmakers, you know. 
great. So I, I get to be the brony, and we got Stanley Kubrick over there. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> did, you, did you film the moon landing? What would you do? What would you do? <laughs> you don't, yes, you don't he know. did. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the coolest thing you have in your toy collection? I'm just curious. What's the one thing you're like, I can't believe I found this or have this and I can't sell it? It's probably a Star Wars toy. It's, I mean, it's I actually seventy four or whatever. I bet I bet it, I bet it's a Dan Wayan action figure. Whoa, a bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, there's there's a couple things down there that are pretty expensive that I can't believe I have, but nothing like nothing. nothing What's your address? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I have like there's this really awesome Optimus Prime. Yeah, now we're talking. Now you are in my wheelhouse, son. Whatever. It's not as cool as GoBots. Shut no, up. There's this great Optimus Prime I have in the basement that I've been, you know, safeguarding for a friend of mine that sell. Named Travis? Yeah. Yeah, and I... And you're also going to say that you have this uh, 15-inch porcelain ceramic Unicron modeled after uh, one of the poses from Unicron in Transformers the movie. <laughs> Yeah, right. I have that too. Um, I did have that. Just kind of curious, where did you get that from? The BotCon convention? It, yeah, it was, it was, Weird. It was the BotCon. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Scott, did you steal Russ's toys? And here's the pro. Here's the problem. I, you know, in the original when I first moved from Pittsburgh to to California, in the original deal, you know, because I had you know graciously asked him if I could store my you know my toy collection in his basement. And I was like, you know, in order to, to kind of sell it to him, I was like, I was like, what if I paid you twenty bucks a month to um, <laughs> to, you know, as a storage, <laughs> as a storage fee right. to, 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 take care, smart, to take care of my toys? Yeah, that was that was seven years ago, and I I think I stopped paying after two months. Like, two months. <laughs> Dude, that's so great. <laughs> so that's like six and six not and eight. What six and oh, ten months? They're yours. The toys are yours. That's yeah. okay. In law, I would say in like standard law, they would be mine now. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Porcelain Unicron. That might be the title of this episode. It's a good one.
so do, you got, do you guys have a title? Can we get the exclusive for that? We don't have a title. Yeah. Oh, is this an exclusive? Absolutely. Hang on. Let's Can make we a, play it. Let's make an exclusive noise. So, I mean, this is good. Shut up! Gosh, no way! <laughs> no way! Absolutely. Dude, please explain. I mean, I have a feeling I know, but please. You just opened up a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, I think you just opened up an episode two. <laughs> well, see, I, I, I don't want to speak for Dan. I don't really know where he's going with it, because uh, it could be a little opposite of what we're hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, there's going to be a little bit in there. There's going to be a little bit of craziness in there. You think we can get him on here? Oh, he definitely. Yeah, you're. I mean, it's already a done deal. We just got to get the time. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, he's going to be able to kind of just. I mean, there's there's so much <coughs> to Dan and his lyric writing. I mean, I think a lot of people get excited when he does, you know, personal stories. And I think the last couple records, he's been able to. You know, kind of go outside of himself, but there's a couple songs on this record that are personal stories. <coughs> like, man, they just blew me away when I heard them. When I read the lyrics, well, and like it's yeah. Um, are there any? I'm I'm kind of ignorant to like the lyrical content of the last couple albums, so I'm going to ask this. It might be a completely like duh question, but what is the um? Where's the status with you guys in terms of writing like songs that are more spiritual or anything like that? Do you have anything to say about that part of the band or the past or how far removed you are from that? And is there anything like that still in the band? Um, here, I'll, I'll do a quick answer, then Rush, you can go for it. Um, sure. I think Dan is writing from a, the opposite perspective. So, as uh, I mean, obviously everybody kind of has an idea that, you know, I'm the heathen, but actually the band doesn't, I don't think there's anybody in the band other than our bass player, Marty, that's like, that would claim Christianity. Now, is that Marty from Pensive? Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh wow. We, I go really far back with him too, but I know, I know that's, um, that's rad. I didn't know you knew. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Dude, don't worry. Um, but, uh, so as a band, I think, hmm we aren't in that mind space whatsoever, but as a band, we are absolutely respectful of that, and I think Dan is writing in a way that's really going to open people's eyes in, in, in not, you know, not disrespectful way, not an argumentative way. I just, I, I, I'm really excited to see how people react to some of the stuff he's writing about. Um, are you referring to uh, sort of the opposite of prophetizing, like like um, like a? Uh, are you trying to be the ministry of the opposite of your beliefs? You know what I mean? Like you're sharing? No, are you I preaching atheism so. or something? No, Is that no, what you mean? No, no, we're not preaching. Like, like trying to get them to think of things this way now instead of that way. No. Is that what you mean? No, I think what Dan's doing is he's trying to explain his departure. Mm, okay, I see what you're saying. In a yeah. way that isn't argumentative and right. isn't, you know, isn't dismissive of people like 
because I, you know, me and Travis have talked about this for the last two weeks. You know, like there's just <laughs> too much division. There's too much arguing about this kind of thing. Like we want to just provide a kind of mm-hmm. comfortable way for people to see like how people change. Yeah. Well, I I prefer honesty always with groups like 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 a band you know like I you know I I don't care what people need to sing about I don't I'm not worried so much about the subject matter I'm more worried about the purpose behind it yeah you know I yeah I mean I can't I can't um I can totally respect a, a band that that's you know had had one had had a spiritual perspective or a faith or whatever and and has changed their perspective on things, and it, as long as that is like coming from a real place, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I totally respect that. Yeah. And and you know it's like whether I agree with it or not is totally not the point. It's about it's about creating something that's real, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. that real is. Well, Zayo's Zayo's. I mean, main purpose has always been sincerity. I mean, we've never. Absolutely. Like, other yeah. than like, I mean, obviously, like, there's been times where we've written songs where we were maybe hoping that they would turn into a little bigger of a song, you know. But um, but mm-hmm. you know, Dan's Dan's just he's he's a real guy. He's an honest guy. He's not going to hold things back. He's going to tell 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 it the way he sees it. I mean, and if you go back through all of our records, even the ones that were considered religious records, he's talking about stuff that that wouldn't be talked about. I mean. The song Savannah is essentially about the commodification of a, a girl in the porn industry. She got in a car accident. She wasn't as beautiful as you know society wants to project beauty on women, and she took her own life. Um, but I mean, it's essentially it's about a porn star that killed herself. You know, you got a song like Scars that don't speak. It's about uh, a girlfriend that he had at the time that was you know sexually assaulted by her her uh, youth pastor. Yeah. <sighs> Um, wow. There's a, you know, like a lot of that stuff. Like, and then you get into like self-titled and Parade of Chaos. I mean, Parade of Chaos has some stuff about where our country was going at, in 2001 and how scary it got with some of the, the, you know, the fervor of nationalism. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he tackles that's not that wouldn't be in a religious context in mm-hmm. records. But you know, people. Have their own interpretations, and you know. yeah, I definitely have known Dan to be uh, a very personal, almost like uh, reading from his diary, you know. Yeah. And a lot of stuff. He definitely did. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, Russ. Yes. What do you think about that? Anything to add to any of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an it's an interesting topic. Um, I guess what the unique, uh, what the what the unique sort of scenario between, you know, I, just going far back with me and Dan or me and Dan's history, you know, both me and Dan both grew up in the church. Um, yeah, I think I was 14 or 15 at the time. And Brent Detter from the Juliana Theory, and actually everybody from the Juliana Theory, including Marty from Pensive, uh, that's where all of those guys came from. We all grew up in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. And, and uh, we're raised uh, in this church called Word of Life. So, um, so we all sort of got the same uh, sort of spiritual education. You know, at the same time, we were a part of the same discipleship classes, and 
we had the you know the same sort of motivation to like to spread to spread the gospel to sure so um so it's strange because you know I I sit here at this point and I can say that um that I you know I'm I'm very thankful to to be a part of the um uh, of something that could that could have you know such a such an outreach as Zao did, especially with um you know some of the the content of the lyrics and and just the just from the stories that I've heard from kids and how you know much Zao's kind of touched their lives. So it's mm-hmm. so I kind of sit at this point and and I don't you know I I personally grew up from the starting point as you know as, from birth. I was programmed to be a Christian. I was, my parents were both Christians and uh, as opposed to, you know, some, someone like Dan who, you know, uh, found the church later on in life. But mm-hmm. um, at this point, you know, I can say that I, I, I believe in a God, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure. All right, I take that back. <laughs> I, I do believe in God. I guess it's the, it's the Bible that I, um, Believe that's personally full of partial truth, hmm. and that's kind of you know that's a hard for you know hard thing for me for me to kind of say because because of uh, my background, but um yeah, but um, I, I don't know it's um <sighs> so for me I you know this probably happened about five years ago um you know I. I was, you know, I just moved from Pittsburgh to California, so it wasn't, you know, I was trying to find a group of friends, churches, you know, to, to get established here. Uh, right at the time, I was living in L.A., and so he was uh, sort of giving me some insight on, on churches and places to stay and and uh, resources as far as work and stuff goes. But, um, but I just started to, I think over time, I just started to question the Bible, there is this verse in Revelation. It is, uh, what is it? You might have to cut some of this out. <laughs> no, no problem. Travis, Travis will sing a song as you're as you're searching. Moon River. <laughs> I think of that scene in Planes, Trains, and Autobuses. Three coins in a fountain. <laughs> <laughs> I got my Bible app open. Revelation. That's, um, in, that's in the front, right? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> All right. That was amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm back on track now. So, Got it. so okay. So, you know, it was a few years ago where I really started to kind of question my beliefs, and it all started with this one verse that I that I read, and it was uh, it's actually Revelation 22:16, and it says uh, the NIV actually says, uh, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And I begin to kind of, you know, think to myself and to to really understand what the term morning star was or where I had, you know, previously heard the, the term come from. And, and I had always thought that the morning star was associated uh, with Lucifer. You know, sort of being the the you know the the light, uh, you know the bright morning star. But in a sense, you know, you know this is Jesus giving 
giving this message mm-hmm. right. in, in Revelation. So, um, maybe I shouldn't go any further. I Dude, go! Stuck. No, I'm not. We're not. We're not. Um, this is not good. I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel uh, on the spot or anything. I was just. No, it's fine. It's, um, it's an open forum, brother. You put on Slayer right now or something? Yeah. Temple of the Morning Star by today's day. Coming right up. There you go. No. <laughs> you know what? You know, just to kind of summarize, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. I just, you know, when it comes to how much money there is in the church, you know, what the modern church looks like nowadays, I, you know, I don't think that that's, you know, it just, you know, it doesn't sit right with me. You know, I feel as if, you know, and I think the, the whole hipster church movement, uh, I don't even know if that's the, the right way to put it, but, you know, I know what you mean. It's, it's more of a. I, I, I feel like I know exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now it's more of like an intimate style. You know, it's it's more or less you know twenty thirty kids kind of coming you know coming together in a room, and really you know just kind of dissect dissecting the word of God and. Um, I I, just, I feel that there's a lot of manipulation, and with this verse, and I'll just I'm gonna leave it at I'm gonna sort of explain myself, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> So, so the the verse. I'll repeat the verse again. I Jesus have sent my my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So the morning. Let's compare the morning star to Lucifer. And I, you know, I remember that I began to to kind of think to myself and to and to kind of figure things out. And I said that wouldn't it be such a travesty if the God, you know, the Father, who is illustrated in the Bible, um, was actually sort of, you know, looked over because we're, we're worshiping this guy over here named Jesus. And so I feel as if somehow we're deceived, and what if... What if, by chance, this Jesus character happened to be Lucifer in disguise, and now, now we're, you know, because you know, over generations upon generations upon generations of uh, establishing, you know, this this religion, or this this character named Jesus, and knowing the story, we're all sort of, you know, we're raised upon it. And it, you know, as if, as if we we were there watching him being crucified on the cross. So it, it it's like you know there is no doubt that, that someone named Jesus existed. Mm-hmm. So. So are you? I, 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 it's not going to be like a big theology heavy. Yeah, dude, it's, fun. Just, it's fun. I'm just it's asking. Fun. Um, do you, do you um you're so you're basically you've my laptop my laptop just burst into flames I just had to dump my TV. <laughs> so that's keeping quiet and I know why. Uh, no, I, I no just, I, I, hey, I you, you got your thing I got my thing man it's but I think what what Russ is trying to really establish with what he's saying is that even someone that I knew like him that was so strong in Christianity you eventually question things. Mm-hmm. And when those questions become so strong, 
you're you're going to have to veer out and look some other places, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't believe in any of it at all. Like, I don't believe that there is enough evidence to believe any of, of it. But mm-hmm. think about that. Think about how intense of a thought. Why would you use the term morning star when when it's used in another way? Yeah, it's it's used in in Isaiah, if I'm correct. You know, in the in the sense of, or you know, in the way to describe Lucifer. Yeah. So why even why even use that term? Um, and who knows what that means? I mean, I'm just I think what but what that does. Yeah. It, it puts you down a it puts you down a, a rabbit hole of questions. So now, mm-hmm. like, okay, well, maybe that wasn't supposed to be the word that they used. So could the Bible be inerrant? Maybe. And then you just then things start to unravel. So I. And I'm also uncomfortable with with the fact that um, you know, G- Jesus is you know I mean he's he's associated with you know many other religions, but you know one in particular the you know the Catholicism, whatever, the Catholics, <laughs> Catholicism, yeah. Um, and I'm not really comfortable you know knowing that you know the we look at the, you know as the Pope. You know, as as a godlike figure, and knowing how much money and and just, I mean, you know, he dwells in this this castle-like structure, and he also worships. You know, it's like he's the spokesman for for Jesus on the planet. I'm not really I'm not really comfortable well, with that, especially he's knowing a spokesman that... for the for the Catholic faiths, Jesus. <laughs> just to be, I mean, I get what you're saying, and Catholics like yeah. enormous but that's, part but that's of it, it, but I mean. That's it right there. You you kind of nail it. And I think a lot of people just gloss over that fact that that we have this that that you have to say Catholic Jesus. It's obviously something is being interpreted wrong. You know, mm-hmm. ten thousand different sects. How can one thing that was supposed to mean this turn into that if there's complete right. inherency? Right. You know, my my biggest problem has always been. Like you know, I was de church for twelve years when mm-hmm. when when I was out gigging and all that stuff, and oh, yeah. and I just I just I just I was raised in a in a in a uh, my parents were Catholics, then they converted early in like the seventies to <clears throat> Christianity, and then the, um but they got into a bit of a uh, charismatic type Christianity, yeah. and uh, they that <laughs> don't know if you ever heard of those snake charmers, but, but uh no, but my 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 whole thing is like you know. If if you if you believe a faith that tells you your if you don't have enough if if you don't have enough faith then you're doing something wrong you know what I mean mm-hmm. if you it makes you feel like you're you're a broken Christian like you you like you're a literally like a toy that's broken and no doesn't function correctly and yep. so I left I left the church for 12 years and the only reason I returned to it is because I personally have a hard time believing the Bible is either is is a, in the in the gray area. Like I feel like I'm I'm one of those weird guys that's like it can't be in the gray. It has to either be like all true or complete bullshit. It can't sure. be in the middle. I can't pick apart stuff because then it's just like proverbs or something. It's poetry. It's it's like I really like how this can be interpreted for my daily life, but. To really say like this is inerrant, this is completely the way it is. Like for me, I had to, 
come to some sort of terms where I'm like this has to either be all in or all out. I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around the idea that there could be a God, there could be something cre that created us, but he has no interest in us at all. And he has no, no, we have no, no purpose, you know, with this God, this creator, this uh, higher power. So to me, I just struggle with the sort of agnostic view more just personally, because to me, I just feel like, like it either like you can't how can you how can you base something that huge like the idea of God or the lack of God on a book that has flaws? It just to me and like you know you can unpack that for like twelve hours, but like yeah, the, the bottom line is just like for me personally, and and I'm not criticizing you guys at all. No, no. Um, I I I just I came to a point where like I had to really understand context and really like dig deeper, and I I personally came to a point where I felt drawn to it as opposed to from it. I have to believe in it, either it's all in or all out, and I have to have some sort of um, real uh, historical context. I can't I can't get into the non-denominational sort of like, we're only going to do what's going on now. We're not going to consider like history and all that stuff. Like, to me... So why aren't you advocating stoning people? Well, that's, I, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking... <laughs> I was talking about <laughs> the Christian faith and interpreting it. I'm not talking about uh, what we were doing, uh, what what capital punishment was back in you know Bible times. I'm just saying, you know, the idea of of Christianity has to. We can't throw away the the entire uh, historical context. You know what I mean? No, and that's fine. But what like I'm the Bible context is what I'm referring to, not the. Uh, you know, then you get into slavery when you start doing. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it, it, it condoned it. It was okay with it. So. Yeah, absolutely, and the Christians were definitely involved with it too. And yeah. but but it's also important to, you know, we. It, it doesn't mean that we can't learn from our mistakes and and change and move from a a a, a, a cultural uh, way of doing things without it changing the uh, the character of of Jesus. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think I think what was happening in in, in those times, man, this is getting real heavy. But what, what was what was happening, like with the stonings and stuff like that? I mean, it's it's not something you want to condone and say, yeah, we should go back and do that just because it was in the Bible. But um, I don't think Jesus was saying that that was a uh, you know something he wanted to continue out throughout history. <laughs> but no, no, I think, but he never rebuked that either. He never actually came out against any Old Testament teaching. Well, I think we we have moved off from that. I mean, wouldn't you say that's more of a of a society way a, a cult? A, yeah, society has handled and governed. Well, you know, and it does say in the Bible we're supposed to you know obey the government. You know, yeah, obey the laws and until it until it divides from or goes against what we what we believe in just is truth. But you know, yeah, I mean, I do, give yeah, Caesar I, to I, give to Caesar what is Caesar, all that stuff that I still have a problem. I have I struggle with that, but. Yeah. I have a hard time because <laughs> I I don't like a lot of that the way things are governed and then or now, but yeah. no and but yeah, but the, I, wow I, I do it it does stick in me a little bit that it's either all or none that that mentality you know like mm -hmm. the whole like well the Bible's either the word of God and it's totally infallible or it's completely wrong. So, yeah. There's a lot of things in there though that I think you could argue are not infallible. 
Uh, well, I don't think they're infallible. What do you What are you saying? Well, like just like different interpretations of certain words, for example. You know. Say. Yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. You know. So if if even that stuff could be misconstrued as wrong, then then it can't be 100% correct, right? I I think that that it's really really important to understand the context of what what was okay, going on. Okay, how about this? How about the context of um, Paul not seeing Jesus in physical form and never acknowledging that he was physically resurrected, but all the other gospels do. What's the, what is the question? So. What I'm asking you is there's a difference, there's a contradiction there. So how would that be, like, would that then... No, I mean, I don't even understand the contradiction. Like, you're saying... What do you say? Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a little confused as to what, what you're comparing. No, you, well, I'm just, I'm trying to get to the, the root of, like, how, for you, the Bible is either completely true or completely false. When I say completely true, I don't mean to say when you read it from beginning to end, you take it literally. I mean to say that in in context, I believe it's it works completely, perfectly together. I don't think that there's something in there that needs to be taken away or updated or changed. But what I but I'm not saying that you read it at face value out of context, just because you read a sentence and it says what it says, doesn't mean that. You know, I mean, we can interpret. I mean, look at Westboro Baptist. They're they're reading. Yeah. They're they're Calvinists. Yeah. I'm a Calvinist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and but I mean, I am in no way, shape, or form that kind of a person. But who's and, the right one then? Well, I mean, who's I I think the person who interprets it correctly is a person who actually uses the grace that is that gospel. That that Maybe. is. Maybe they think they are. But they're but they're clearly by definition not graceful people. God, what, God, what God's grace is in the Bible is not going around and and preaching a a, a God of death who's going to punish you and right. that's not even like a that's not even like a true uh, biblical interpretation of hell. You know what I mean? That's just it's all just it's very hateful. Yeah, no, I completely but, agree. But, but the Ku Klux Klan were Christians too. Yeah, they were. Christians. Well, absolutely, they come from they come from. There's, but th but that doesn't say that what they're doing is is being condoned by the church or by the by the gospel is what I'm saying. Yeah, but they you can you can they interpret it absolutely. They misinterpret it and by your badly. By, but, but by your definition. And by and by thousands of years of scholar study or, or teaching, they misinterpret it. It's not just mine. My view. Well, no, I mean, don't you think that maybe theology has kind of societally lessen the blow of what some of that stuff was intended to mean and maybe Westboro was... I think people are afraid to admit that that's part of history because it they're afraid to be honest about it they're afraid to they're afraid to say yeah the puritans were responsible for the <laughs> the witch trials you know what i mean yeah. like they're afraid mm -hmm. but that doesn't change for me what i think is true i i think but people thinking, but you're thinking that way as a 2015 Americanized Western culture Christian. Sure, but but that doesn't mean that you're. So you're suggesting that I haven't thought outside of that. No, no, I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just saying that 
if things can be interpreted 50 million different ways. <laughs> but I don't think that the, all the interpretations can be traced back to anything of substance, though. I mean, I actually think there is evidence of, of things. I don't think that we've run out of... I, don't, I think that when it comes to... I, when it comes to... Like, you can't point and say, there's God, where he's, you can see him right there. Like, obviously, you come to a point where, you, where there has to be a faith element. But I do think, historically... And obviously, I, I don't have notes open here. I don't have the no, Bible sitting open. But I, but I, so I, I'm speaking kind of like loosely about it. But you know, there is a, uh, there is a, a history that can be traced back. You know, whether and you know whether it's Protestant, Catholic, it can be traced back enough where, you know, I don't have to look at the Bible. In context of just the fact that I'm in live in 2015, I don't I don't read the Bible that I actually read the Bible very selflessly. I don't really care if I'm wrong or you know what I mean. I yeah, yeah. I, I, I I'm I've done a lot honestly to go back to even what Russ was saying like and like that whole the beginning of why I even said all this. I a big way for, the the big thing that got me back in the church was actually I really had to get over myself, and I'm not. Again, I'm not saying that about you or anything else. I'm saying for me, I had to be able to to uh, reconcile in my life. Like, you know what? What I'm feeling, what I'm wanting to be right, doesn't necessarily mean it's true or true to me. I had to really uh, look at this stuff and go, okay, if, if that's if that's true, um, I have to test that for a while. I have to I have to experience that and not just and not just argue with it. I have to take this idea that that we don't we don't make a choice to be saved. God does that to us. God pulls us to it. What does that mean now about the people who aren't saved? What does that mean about you know what I mean you 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 go through this whole rabbit trail of of theo theological themes and and how does mm -hmm. that really matter? And for me I had to just get to a point where I had to argue it to the point where I had nothing left to offer. And then go, okay, that makes more sense to what I'm saying. And I, I, I had to deconstruct everything for me to, to really like go, okay, I see how this works. But it wasn't – it was a combination of validation and, and having to sort of, as they say, die to self, <laughs> you know, depending on what part of it. You know, it, it wasn't just face value, like blind leading, you know, it was or, or following rather. It was a lot of just – having to deconstruct things and go like, uh, you know, I don't think that's how it is. And then the, the, the rebuttal to that is, okay, what is your, what is your version? And you get to a point where you can't, you can't, uh, process it any other way. You, you just go, okay, I can't see how that could make any more sense than what you're saying. You know what I mean? And so it, it just takes a long time for me. God's sake, we're talking forever about this. But yeah, I'm sorry that just got so like, it's so heavy. I'm trying not no, to be. This is, dude, yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. And this is me and Travis have talked about this. Like, obviously, everything you just said there, I could come back with 50 different rebuttals against everything you just said right there, and you could do the same to me. Uh, mm -hmm. But the biggest issue is that we're all searching for the same thing. Absolutely. You know, so I'm an atheist, but I'm also searching for truth, and I'm searching for love. You're a Christian, and you're looking for truth, and you're looking for love. So there's a lot more that connects us than 
like devises, right? I, I would hope so. I, yeah, I mean, I, I in the last in the last twenty minutes, I would say we'd have to talk more. <laughs> but, but I mean, totally, dude. I mean, look, we we we're fans of the band. You know what I mean? We're we're uh, we're into art. We're into music. We're into like honesty and and. Like, you know, if you came into my house, looked at the, my record collection, looked at the stuff I watched, you would never in a million years think I was the same person that just talked to you for the last 20 minutes. But I, And that's, that's, that's what's so great about this. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the thing that, that always grabs me, though, then, is like, as a Christian, and as one that, that looks at the Bible the way you do, you're obviously doing things that probably aren't right. Um, so I should probably you're, you're throw away my satanic music. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I think I, I, think I know what Scott's saying. I, I think what Christianity kind of feels like to him is that it's a, it's just, it's like this, it's all based on personal interpretation. What, what I'm saying, I mean, obviously it all ends up being an interpretation. I mean, on the surface level. But what I'm saying is, when I go into it, I don't have I don't have a wall around me that says if this is gonna this is only gonna work if it gets past the wall. You know what I mean? You have to be teachable. You know, you have to be open to the fact that you might not understand it or you might be wrong about something. And and it's a combination of being validated in the areas where, like for my case, being in the charismatic movement, not me personally, but raised in the charismatic movement. Laying there on the floor, being slain, you know slain in the spirit, you're supposed to fall back on the ground, and lay there for a while, and I'm laying, I'm looking around, and I'm going like, what the fuck is going on in here? You know what I mean? Is, like, is that evidence of God? Is it yeah, really evidence? Yeah, I, of I God? felt like this, this can, this either if if God is if if Jesus is the, is re, if this is all real, then something's wrong here. Like this can't be it. So you know, I I got very angry, very unopen to anything like that and so i had to change that part of me to to even go back and i i, I wasn't making it more palatable to myself i think that's what it is for me that I, that's where i get a little bit weary when i hear the interpretation point because it's because to me it wasn't about at the end of the day is it going to fit in to what i have going on right now like is it going to fit is it going to get over the wall i have around me but and so do, but i think you have to recognize that even though you're saying that, that's still your interpretation. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's it, like I said, it always ends up on the surface level an in interpretation, yeah. mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean the interpretation, it, uh, your your version of faith or not no faith or whatever is built on just the fact that you your interpretation is right. You know what I mean? Like sometimes oh, yeah. you have to go, sometimes you have to present an interpretation, but then you have to look deeper and make sure. That it's 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 going to connect with, like your inner being. Like it's going to be like absolutely like you, like you have to f wrestle with it and go like, oh, this can't and, be real. This can't be the way Jesus intended it to be. And you have to trust. Feel uh, right. <laughs> you have to trust yeah. that those historical accounts actually yeah. happened. For me, for me, I feel like it all has to connect, or it just can't. It's not like there was a, a, a history, a, ten, a hundred year section of history that was right and the rest of it was wrong. And in this case, especially nowadays, it seems like the non-denominational movement wants to just say like, hey, it's, you know, you don't have to worry about the traditions and stuff and none of that stuff matters. But we have it right now. And I, I find that to be dis, disheartening and very uh, arrogant. And um, 
But I mean, look, I'm a Christian. You know what I mean? Okay. I have a very strong um, view on this, but but I am not threatened by people who disagree. And um, as we are either, like I'm not threatened. Right. All by yeah, totally. Um, like I, I, I enjoy, I love talking about this stuff. I'm a, little, I'm a little afraid that everyone stop listening to this episode now. But like, but I'm uh, as far as my, I love to talk about it for sure, and, and I love to just pick the brain until it gets to a point where you're just like, stop, stop, my head's gonna explode, I can't think anymore. But um, it, it is fun to talk about for sure, and I, and I love that, I love that. Uh, well, for Travis, I hope he's awake right now. <laughs> I'm alive but, um, and well. Okay, good. I, I love that, um, you know, this conversation wasn't just like, hey, um, Suzeo is not Christian anymore. Why? You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, that's the thing I think that's great is that I, it's hard to get people to recognize that, like, my my non-believing walk or my, mm -hmm. my now not believing in that stuff walk is no different than your re-emergence in the Christian church. So I struggled with that for a very long time. You know, you, you do. That's, you know, I think both of us have gone in absolute different paths but are sincere about how we got there. Absolutely. What was the transition like when you said you struggled with something that monumental for as long as you did? And then one day, I mean, do you feel like you're struggling with it right now? Is this question directed to uh, I was aiming it at Scott, yeah, like but uh, it's open. Like, like, like you said, you were going back and forth and struggling with it for a long time, and then at one point, mm -hmm. you have to, you have to not be struggling about it anymore because you said, "I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that anymore." So, there was a Tuesday. There was a Tuesday you were struggling with it, and there was a Wednesday you where you just went, um, "I've let go. I've let go of that balloon. I'm finished with that." When, what, what caused that? Like, was there a final like? Uh, straw that broke, so to speak, or something. Yeah, like, like, did you, did you read like the final chapter of like the hundredth book on the subject, and you were like, that's it. Like, like I've, I've reached the like, pinnacle. <laughs> or, or, like, what like was Russ it? said, Russ said it started with Revelation, yeah. whatever verse you said. What did it end with? Where did it end? Yeah, like, exactly. Where did you Whatever, go? Okay, I bet now I'm done. I'm. I, so this I, doesn't make sense anymore. We're gonna extend this theology a little longer. I'll answer that for you. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll kind of start. So. For me, it was actually, you know, Christians themselves. I I had, I had, I've had way too many encounters in the past five years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I was considered, you know, or when I considered myself a, a Christian, mm -hmm. I've had way too many encounters that showed me that the, the that the worst people in my life were the Christians. <laughs> <laughs> I have so, those. This so, is this is an area I completely understand. Dude. I have those. I'm serious. <laughs> Which is a very As it's a Christian, a, I can I'm totally relate with that. Yeah. It's a very confusing place to to be in. No doubt. Um, you know, I briefly, I you know, I I used to work for a church. It was a, it was actually a, just a brief time in my life, but um, one of the um, one of the designers above me, uh, who kind of uh, instructed. Uh, basically gave me my my own tasks I was um I was working as a motion graphic designer uh, for a church here in California mm -hmm. and one of the um you know my immediate uh, director supervisor um, 
you know, I, I worked on a project. Uh, this was actually when I first started. It was supposed to be an ambient video that, um, that was supposed to play behind the praise and worship band uh, during one of the services. And so I had a, uh, I literally I spent uh, maybe a day and a half, uh, concept, you know, concepting and, and filming this video mm-hmm. that, you know, only to be pulled by the time the weekend came around uh, because of um, because of the, the content itself. And, yeah. And I had used this, uh, you know, a, a good friend of mine. She had, you know, I asked for her help, and she was uh, kind of doing, like, the typical praise dance with the flags and and stuff. But um, but I was pretty insulted when, uh, you know, my supervisor told me that the um, that the, the girl that I used was too well too well endowed, and she was very sensual in the video. And then she also um, pointed out that the the Christian congregation they weren't used to using praise flags in the video, mm-hmm. and you know I didn't really understand that. And and this was after I didn't have a car at the time. You know I was in California. I'd actually ridden a uh, I stayed up all night trying to produce this video, and, and I I rode my bike. It was a, uh, a beach cruiser. You know didn't have any. It wasn't even like a three speed. Mm-hmm. But I rode it 13 miles just to get it to, to the church on time so they could have it for him. You know, for the weekend services, you mm-hmm. know, when it got pulled, and and for her to, to kind of tell me these things were you know very offensive after you know spending 24 hours of no sleep working on it. So sure. I, I guess I had too many moments like that that really defined, uh, you know, that okay, like like Travis was saying, waking up on a Tuesday or Wednesday and saying, okay, that you know, this is it for me. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. Man, if I can be honest, I can, my my biggest problem um, as a Christian looking at Christian culture is 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 like I I have a really hard time with like Christians. Like I, it's really it's a weird dichotomy I'm in because like, um, I struggle with grace like like extending it like I'm I'm an, I'm a hot-headed Italian. I like get mad like right away. <laughs> And like I have a hard time with churches, I, churches and uh, Christians. I go to church, and I, I I believe it's as a Christian, it's it's like an imperative that you have to be in, be plugged in in that way. But I just have such a axe to grind, and it, and it's it's a it's an area of my life that I struggle with because because um I see so many people in churches and church groups. Their whole focus is like we're going to take this message out to the world, and we're going to get them all to come into our church. So now we have to make the church be a certain thing. Um, you know, I, like I'm, I'm of the view, view that your church should just be like – a church service should just be like a corporate worship service. Like you should just – it should just be like for the, 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 the Christians to come together and be in the community together and, and to give to God, not to get from God. And so I hate it when the church is focused on all this outreach stuff and try – I mean I, I'm all for the outreach stuff, but I, I think it's important that we don't necessarily bring people, the world, into the church but take the church out to the world. So to me, yeah. having that weird mix where we make the churches more palatable for like the people who are sitting in the seats, it's like it should go the other way around. Like we should take the message out to them. And you always get in these weird things where the churches are trying too hard to like be too like video 
you know, huge and stylish or have the coffee bar, have sure. all the comforts of a rock concert. And it's, it's just to make people feel like, okay, I feel good here. I feel like this is a fun thing to do on a Sunday morning, you know, because everyone thinks getting up on Sunday is so horrible. So like we're making this awesome for everybody. And like, that's not the point of the church to me. The point of the church to me is for, for Christians to gather and to literally give God all the glory. So like, it never made sense to me like that we that we have these issues with these giant video screens and like the flags waving everywhere and like like you know stuff that's just so like normative you know and just odd and is isn't even like a biblical model it's less authentic like, yeah it, it's just it just all it is is just like comfort and emotional like you know just trying to get people to be emotionally like in tune with themselves instead of like like, like I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm totally content with church just being like, you know, hymns and just being like, old school. Sure. Or I mean, I don't even care about the, the kind of music. To be completely honest with you, I just want the purpose of it to be like giving glory to God and not, not trying to make the world comfortable in our, in our church. You know what I mean? Russ, I would have. I would into stuff like that. Russ, I would have praised you for using well-endowed women in the videos. I just wanted to break the tension. Thank you, Travis. Wow. No problem. Scott, what about you? When was you your like well-endowed women? What? When, what, <laughs> when, when was? What are you asking? <laughs> like, like Russ used my analogy. When was your Tuesday to Wednesday? Like the realization of like, ah, I, I, am I'm, I'm done with that now. Like, was there a, was there a turning point, or was it just a, was it a gradual thing? Where I think it was more gradual, but I think what you just come to realization of is over time, people learn more. Uh huh. So things that we know today we didn't know in 1980. Things that they knew in 1980 they didn't know in 1950. Mm-hmm. Things they know, you know, back and forth, back and forth. So I, how am I supposed to completely be convinced by writings from people 2,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. And that bothered me to the end, like bothered me to end. You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get that. And then you know, people would always come to you and they say, well, you know, God somehow, what's the word? I'm trying to think of a good word. Pro- protected it. Yeah, like he, like, it, he breathed the life into the words. But the thing is, is they're still humans' words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can't get around the fact that people wrote it. People wrote it. There were changes done to it. Um talked about this before, you know, the Council of Nicaea, they, it, they saw the political movement in Christianity, and they incorporated paganism, and mm-hmm. tried to bring it all together to kind of stop uh, riots. I mean, you can't right. deny that history. So for me, if there was something in there that was so obviously not of the time period, so like, like uh, Stephen said, you know, you got to look at it in context. So at the time, slavery was something that was happening, and, and God didn't automatically come out against it. Why wouldn't He have? I mean, you know, like just so many things. Like for you know, who's to say that He didn't though? Well, He didn't. I mean, I mean He allow He allows suffering, but why? That doesn't mean He's going to just stop it if He doesn't like it. I mean, but he, otherwise he's, He would be doing that ultimate for anything. Being. But he's an ultimate being. He can he can burn a bush for somebody, but he can't tell somebody not to enslave another human being. 
Where does it say in the Bible that he tells us to do it, though? Well, he didn't. Like I said, he didn't. Is it in a commandment? It's not in a commandment. Right, but, I mean, we can only assume that if Wait, God, what? unless, unless, what I'm saying is unless God physically stops the rocks from hitting somebody, mm-hmm. like the stonings, or the, or, or uh, always sets the, the slaves free magically or whatever, <laughs> um, unless he does that. Isn't that kind of what happened when he parted the Red Sea? Just because God allows for things to happen doesn't mean that he wants it to happen. I don't, I don't think so that he you sits there human, and forces it. You as a human being sitting in, not like three hours from me, you know God's mind, and you know that. You know that. No, I'm just asking, I'm asking when you say, um, you know, he didn't stop slavery, or however you worded that, he didn't, he, he didn't it was happening in, in the context of the, of the time times or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he allowed it. Is that what you were saying? Or what did you say? He, well, he didn't he, stop it or something. He didn't forbid it, and he actually did talk about it and didn't say anything to not do that. I mean, he didn't bring up that, well, let's just stop it. But us as humans did. But wouldn't you think he is telling us to not do it based on just his his model for how we should live and how we should well, treat each maybe, other? Maybe, maybe when Christ came, but, I mean, he didn't really even say it then. I just don't see the connection between what God, what the nature of God and slavery or stonings and all that. I don't know what, well, why no, you're connecting those two. Old Testament, I mean, it's it's all through the Old Testament. It happened, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm trying to understand how it's being spiritualized to be a uh, thing that, that God has anything to do with. In terms of, like, you know, he's okay with it or something. Like I don't I get he, that. Well, he did, okay, so... This was a time when people were convinced that God was talking to them. Um, you know, it was written down as, you know, Abraham was commanded to, you know, thought he was commanded to kill his son. Um, I mean, God was talking to Moses at this time. He was telling Noah to do what he did. I mean, we can't escape the fact that God seemed present in this time. Right, right. So, but he never once condemned any of that stuff to anybody. What I'm saying is, though, is what makes a lot of sense to me is when you look at it in the context, why would the people that want slavery to keep existing say that a supernatural being wouldn't want it to be the way it is? Um, So, like, you know, even, like, for example, why wouldn't, like, think about how amazing it would be if biblically they talked about if God maybe mentioned that there were more planets than Earth or anything, you know, anything that wouldn't be obvious to the people of that time. Because everything that's written is so obviously from that time. Correct? From the perspective of that time. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. there's nothing there that would convince me that there was some ultimate being that knew all telling them to write anything. You know, so for me those questions just pile up. So, like I said, it was like it was a gradual thing where I couldn't base a life around what was what what I presume or people writing things two thousand years ago. You remind me of um Bill Burr. He has a very <laughs> very very funny routine where he talks he about curling. 
I just left it. Yeah, I just yeah. Where you you make all that fuss, you make all that fuss with the brushes, and you like obsess over it and everything, and then there does come a time when you just go, ah, and just let it go. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud hysterically because it was so funny the way that he described it. I was like, as silly as that seems. I think I understand the mind of more of my atheistic friends right now. All, yeah, and it was you know? like I didn't leave it from like a sense of being hurt by anybody. I didn't leave it from a sense of like somebody wronged me. Right. Um, I literally some of my closest, closest, dear friends are Christians, mm-hmm. and none of them treated me any other way than beautifully. Mm-hmm. My mom is an extremely religious person. My in-laws are extremely religious. My daughter goes to a Catholic school. So, I why did you, why did you whisper that? <laughs> are you the singer of Slayer? I'm, the <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw it. I'm Mariah. Are you Tom? No, go ahead. I'm I sorry. Probably, I probably wouldn't have had so many computer problems by Tom Mariah. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, man. Yeah, I'm surrounded by uh, Christianity, and I'm in love with all the people that are in love with it, and I'm still unconvinced. So I don't come from it from like a, like a, all oh, poor me, some priest, mm-hmm. you know, didn't like me, and, you know. Or a priest right. didn't like you. Or a priest right, like right, you. right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, none, of my, none of the reasons why I just let the curling go is uh, is bad. Like it's all it all came from yeah. a really positive spot, and then once I let that go, it was just such a relief off of me. What what really helps me hap- makes me happy and and helps my whole thing is like I know I'm an atheist. That's fine. I don't believe in God, but. I love when people live like Christ. I love when people just love people. Yeah, how can you not? I mean, that's yeah. the most important. Like, to me, mm-hmm. there's such a beauty in just accepting people and loving them. And if Christianity does that for you and you're not going to condemn people, and by no means do I want to see people not be able to be Christians that feel that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, it's, to me, more important that people can be who they are and that's including people that are, are Christian. I, like, I would never, ever want to see people being not able to do that. Um, yeah. And that's the beauty of, of the United States. I mean, the founding, the way that it was founded is you're allowed to be whatever you want to be. We have to be really careful and not use the Bible to legislate, but
Um, we have to, uh, we have to bring, we have to bring this thing in. I know, it's it's so fun. I know. I, I know we, we didn't, didn't even scratch it, the surface. I'm so sorry for rambling about this. I mean, I, I kind of felt like it, it felt good. No, I, I was enjoying. I was really, I really truly was enjoying what we were talking Steven, about. Steven, we're going to cut out 75% of your crap anyway. No way, I don't want to cut it out. Do we have to Just, cut it? There's there no was so rush. much other stuff I wanted to talk to you guys about, but we never we never got. You to know it. what? Let's let's people say this on podcasts all the time. Let's do it again. Let's get together and talk again. We just have to we have to bring this thing in for a landing now because I have to get up for work in like five hours. <laughs> I haven't even brushed my teeth yet, so yeah. Um, I know it's we're gonna be like so like next time we sign in we're just gonna be like Scott, um, what are you OGs in um, me for? Uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm OGsing. If you have to wake up that early, I feel bad for you. Oh, I thought you were like, I thought you were being totally sarcastic. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. He's <laughs> like, you know what? I was trying to care about you. Because I, t- I totally had a comeback, locked and loaded, but now I can't use it because I'll sound like a jerk. Actually, no, I like. <sighs> Should I? Should no, I do it anyway? Just, just be a jerk. It's anyway. not like I'll go to work and play with toys from the '80s all day. <laughs> 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 Oh, Travis! How long? How many days was you? Were you sitting on that? Seriously? Oh, since, well, you knew since, this was going to Since he go brought long. it up. Since he brought it up. Yeah, it's exactly. about eight days. Why, why no, don't you no, ask no. him about Jogger's helmet? Jogger from the Thundercats. Ask, ask Scott about his helmet. Okay, go ahead. Come on, Scott. What about the helmet? I got to hear. Let's it. set the team so much, so much to... aside. Let's talk about Thundercats. Let's keep <laughs> Travis on as long as possible. Let's do it. <laughs> it's been. It's a holy grail piece. That I've been looking for probably since I was 18. I'm 37, by the way. Um, so am I. And my not 40. My, my <laughs> awesome like, friend, like Marty Lung. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is being 40 an insult? Screw you, Russ. Shut up. Hey, I didn't know you were 40, Travis. Look, <laughs> he sounds like a pig. Oh, I didn't know you were 40. Dude. I'm sorry, dude. It's all right, man. You know what they you know what they say. 40 is the new 60. It's all good. Tell me about it. Okay. You, uh, were, you were looking for piece, dedicated your life to uh, you dedicated your life to a toy. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, let me just throw this out at you. Like, I have toys in my basement that yes. I could sell and probably buy a car with. Oh, who's, dude. Who's the ass? Dude. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tell him. I saw. Dude, I thought the same thing. I'm. Drop. I'm going to no, hang no, no, on no, no. all these baseball cards, and one day I'll sell them all and put my kids through college and buy right. a house. It didn't work out. Baseball cards crashed. Can I just ask a question? What toy are you looking for? Like, what, what exactly was it? It was a Thundercats helmet? Yeah, it was a <laughs> I had the figure, and I needed the helmet to complete them. The Dude, I've got, like, I got, like, two of those. You want one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It would be funny if I had two of them just sitting here. Here, I want <laughs> It's like a $65 piece, man. That's no chum change, bro. How big is this helmet? Oh, my God. It's like an inch and a half, like maybe two inches. Why? So it's basically it's basically Travis's, uh, like... Penis head. Whoa! Whoa. His, his, his one-purchase condom. What did I do? You're 40, dude. Us 37-year-olds are going to... How old are you, Russ? Oh, God. 36. Oh, he won't be 36 for long, boy. Are you seriously 36? 
Yeah. Dude, like, younger than me when you were up on stage? Holy crap. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Man, 37 sucks for me. I don't know about you guys. By the, time, by the time this podcast is up, Russ will already be 37 <laughs> years old. He's already 37. What are you implying, Travis? What am I what? Implying? I'm implying that you are old. Oh, well, yeah. He's yeah. implying that he's jealous. Yeah. Dude, I am not. I am not looking forward to being. I, I remember thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in better shape you're now young. than I was when I was thirty-five. So shut up. You damn metalcore kids with your loud metal music. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yo, but Bruce, he, Bruce is older than all of us. Oh, dude. Bruce is 43, <laughs> I think he said. No. 43? That doesn't seem... You know what's crazy, no, though? Like, right they were, like, they were, like, they were, they were, like, 17, 18 when they did Living Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That's insane. They played, like, freaking animals for their age. That's nuts. Dude, I was in a band when I was 17 called Creationist Crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Dude, I totally... <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, man. I you're no joke. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> hey. Yo, you should send us some of that so we can play it too, like on the show. I don't have it. I have some. Yeah, I do. And an exclusive Zayo track from the new album. Oh. It's called the new album called what was it that we said earlier? Uh, the 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 the, the sun orbits around the flat earth. Oh, yeah, the song oh, trial or something. That's, that's a song title. Song. We might call this the record. And chocolate for all. <laughs> what? Yo, you gotta explain that to me. I'm. Uh, you like that? Do you guys I'm like that part title? Of your, your text messages. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that either. I thought it was an inside joke between all you guys. I don't get it. I don't know what that. I haven't understood anything since. Chocomall. <laughs> Masses of chalky. Does this have something to do with uh, Russ's body parts? <laughs> Um, I, have to go to sleep. I have to go to bed. Yeah. I have to get up and kill bugs and mice and stuff. So, yeah. um, guys, well, thanks do, for let's do the, let's let's connect this to another episode or something. Let's do it. Well, you're has all... that been done before? No, no, no. You guys would be we'll the get, first. you got to get Dan in on this next one too. Well, I was just gonna say that we're Marty. No, Marty's any too old. Those, any of the forty-year-olds. Who? Hey, one thing I wanted to ask real quick about Zayo. Current say who exactly is right now in the band, like official members, writing and recording? Writing and record. Well, let's say this: who's in the official band? We have Russ Cogdell. We have. So you are still with them, Russ? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've been in the band. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were, but when you <laughs> listen, listen. I thought you were in Zayo, but when you said earlier that you were in Los Angeles and that uh. You know, oh, I guess I didn't fill in the time. It sounded like That's you true. never went back. That's true, Russ. You've quit Zayo so many times that you probably left the band during this podcast. I thought when you said when you were injured, that was like the in 2006, that was like your last. For some, for some reason, I thought you were on newer albums, so I was confused by that. So no, right. I, I've actually kind of I've been back in the band since 2009. You know, I just oh, okay. I'm trying to get my life together, just stuff. Okay. I, I, you may have said that I totally missed it. Sorry about that. <laughs> No, that's cool. I'm glad you're in the band, man. That's I I think you added some serious awesomeness to that band. Like I used I to freaking love you up on stage with your Joy Electric T-shirt, like thrashing around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. 
It's, uh, and, it it's feels, been... and it feels more like, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to, like, keep you guys in the Stone Age with your band or whatever, but I love the fact that there's, like, a classic Zayo element to it still. You know, it's not just, like, one member and a bunch of new people. You know, I, I like that the Zayo that I was really into is still kind of that band. It's just a couple different people, you know. Yeah, mostly... and even the old members, even the, the like, Stephen Peck, for instance, who, you know, only played on the Funeral of God, drums on the Funeral of God album, I've known him since seventh grade, and we've been in bands. You know, Scott's been in bands with him. I've been in bands with him. We've all been just intertwined. You know, just so it's of... still it's like the same group of people, just different in the band. Yeah, think about it this way: like Marty was managed us before he played bass, but Marty was in Pensive, and Marty was in the circle of this whole thing. Yeah, the whole time. I mean, everybody's, you know. Yeah, maybe whatever, original members, blah, blah, blah. But, like, Marty was involved with what Zaya was doing back in 1997. Yeah, dude, I, yeah, I, bought, I bought a Pensive demo from him in 97 when we opened for Zayo. And that was, like, Splinter Shards didn't even come out yet. <laughs> and, like, he was, he was, like, there selling Pensive demos. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been there, like, I, I've seen him there <laughs> since back then. So That's yeah. rad. So Marty plays, Marty plays bass. Russ plays guitar, I play guitar, Dan, Wyatt will never not be the singer of Zayo, and if he ever is, I'm Thank out. the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Dude, then, seriously, his, his vocals are fantastic. I've always loved his voice. Just wait, oh man, just wait. I hated it, hated it when I showed up to some of your gigs and there was some dude there and it wasn't him. <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> but... I love. I really miss Corey Darstow. I have to look it for that dude for like. The no, Corey time. was. He did well, but I mean. I don't know where he dude, is. Dude, he's not Dan. Where he is, it's so so sad to me. I love that dude, and I wish he would just get a hold of me somehow. But, and then Jeff Kretzky. Yeah, he was super nice. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I loved him. And Jeff plays yeah. drums. Jeff's been. In, I mean, we've been this. This basic lineup since 2000. Yeah, almost 10 years. Yeah. yeah, Jeff's been. In, I know. I love it. Honestly, this is the most consistent. Zayo has ever been. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I you, you guys, I mean, you guys definitely, you know, kind of helped write the uh, the Bible on metal infused hardcore music. But and so you're always going to have that part of your uh, legacy is going to be that era. But... Oh man, so perfect analogy. They wrote the Bible on that music, and it was full of errancy. <laughs> totally, totally did not mean it that way. But that's funny. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like you guys, I mean, that part is important for sure. But honestly, like it's really, it's. I'm glad you guys are still doing what you do because I've always loved. I'm, I'm glad. Music, you know? I'm glad it's happening too. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think, just so people know, like we do this because if we. I mean, I would be doing it if you, if people are listening or not. So, like, we really are doing it from an honest place. Like, none of us think we don't care. Like, I'm not doing this like for money. We're not doing it. Like, we're doing it because number one, we love each other, and number two, I'm writing. I'm gonna be writing these songs regardless. So. Yeah. That was the last one on the checklist from Ryan Downey. I don't care if one person hears our album or if a million people hear our album. <laughs> I, I say that, I say that, but then I like pour my heart into a project, and then no one does hear it, and I'm depressed about it. <laughs> so, I'm like, damn it! I think there may have been one person. <laughs> but yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I sent Travis songs that nobody gives a shit about. Wait, yep. Mean, yeah, like I have me and Dan do another band. And I have the new Zayo album. 
<laughs> I just sent him a bunch of songs that I love to listen to for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, most of this air record before we like really started getting the wheels moving was shit that I had fun writing and listening to it in the car. And then, you know, they're just, they're heavy. And I'm like, yeah, Dan, you want to go do your thing? I mean, it's, it's really like sincerely, it's people, I love that people listen to it. But for years, these were songs I'd listen to in the car by myself. So, I mean, these, some of these songs well, have been written. I want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, some of these songs <laughs> are as old as 2009. Seriously. Think it's not too that. bad. Yeah. Well, that's six years. It's I like this stuff. It's a lot less <laughs> I like this stuff, too. It reminds me well, of... Well, I mean... It reminds me of... Uh, one song reminds me of Muse. One song reminds me of... Oh, weird. Like, something from, like, 90s influence. Uh, it's got some indie rock jangly in it. It's got some clean vocals in it. It's it's dark. It's got a little bit of math, but well. it isn't like I'm lost math. You know what I mean? It's just... it's get, It's a big... Crockpot of everything. A little bit it borrows a little piece of all the influences from people our age, maybe maybe a little younger than me, Russ. But <laughs> people, uh, people, <laughs> people our age, like it kind of borrows from everything and stews it all together. And I totally dig it. It's good stuff. If I may ask one more question before we sign off, what what do you guys um now that we're talking about this kind of stuff and different styles and stuff, what are you guys listening to these days? That that and especially stuff that's really like just freaking making you want to freaking get in there and write songs. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be metal. It could be anything. Sure. What's ins- what's inspiring you guys right now? Go ahead, Rush. You do five, and I'll do five. Oh, okay. Top five. Here we go. <laughs> and then I want to do five. All right. <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of Black Moth Super Rainbow. That's, like, my go-to band. Are you guys familiar with Black Moth Super Rainbow? No. No. I think I may have heard the name, but I'm struggling There's... to remember. They're sort of like a, they're, ironically, they're from Pittsburgh, but they're like the psych uh, type of, psychedelic type of, like, lo-fi. They use a lot of analog synthesizers. The vocalist uses a vocoder, hmm. so his vocals are kind of masked and stuff. But um, they're super good. I, I listen to a lot of them. Uh, cool, man. Let's see, Black Ma, um, I listen to a lot of Grouper. They're sort of like, um, it's a female vocalist. She does a lot of ambient stuff. Um, it's kind of lo- lo-fi as well. Uh, it's just fish nice. sandwich. Uh, Bibio, uh, I think he's from somewhere in England. He's uh, a phenomenal guitar player, uh, programmer. Uh, sort of, he's definitely has a an electronic sort of programming thing going on, and um, but his songs are just out of control. And he's he has an Instagram that you know filled with like the most beautiful photos I've ever seen my, in my life. He's just Super talented. Uh, That's cool. Two more. Let's see. Two more. Midlake, of course. They're from Denton, Texas. They're like a psychedelic folk band. Always be my favorite band. I've I've liked what I've heard from them. Yeah. And and then I listen to a lot of Grateful Dead. Really? Wow. I'm I'm really into like like the psychedelic type of music and. You, movies, art, all that stuff, sort of, or, or yeah. just sort of like. Just and the great thing right now is, uh, there's a site called archive.org, which is more like a commons kind of like public site where you can uh, find a bunch of like vintage commercials, uh, old audio pieces, uh, spoken word type Dude. stuff. 
Um, oh my god, you got to listen to my podcast, The Tourist Trap. It's all about that stuff. Okay. This is so rad. So, I'm, I'll I'll get you the link after we record. That's so okay. cool though. The, I know exactly what you're talking about too. Well, they 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 have a section on the site where it's all like live music, um, and someone uploaded at least like a hundred. Grateful Dead, like, live concerts from, like, 60s, 70s, and it's... Oh, that's a lot of... And so I've, I've been streaming all that content uh, to my Sonos player. It's it's so one good. One song per awesome. concert. You want that? One <laughs> yeah. song per concert. <laughs> <laughs> no, those guys were very prolific with that stuff. That's crazy. Absolutely. Loaded, uploaded that much. Yep. I was just going to say, my show that I do has a lot of, like, field recordings and old vintage records, spoken words and stuff, and I oh, sweet. make make like one hour mashups with them and like a bunch of weird experimental music. And then it yeah. creates like a really weird show. So I'll, that's I'll cool. show that to you after I'll send it to you. Brad, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Scott. All right. Um, top five. <laughs> me and Travis talk about this already a bunch. Um, dude, I can't get enough of the life of times, man. I, I think they're one of the best bands out there right now. Yeah, you got. Uh, this came up on another episode. I think maybe Bruce brought them up actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Yeah, I'm, I think I might have to hear that. Oh, yes, you do. Too. Did you ever listen to Shiner? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that's another band that keeps coming up. Well, yeah. That's, that's, oh yeah, yeah. It's the singer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a singer yeah. From Shiner, so they're fantastic. Um, cool. Shout out to Josh Newton too. That dude's played with Shiner. I think he just played a couple shows with them. And Jeff's a good friend with them. He played with some Autumn Ashes and stuff. Um, so cool. Yeah, I listen to that a lot. I'm a, I've been listening to this uh, Leon Bridges record. That's pretty awesome. It's like real like that Sam Cooke influence. Yeah, mm. it's like it's really it's sort of like just Motowny, like 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 doo-wop type of stuff. It's really. Good. I love old Motown music, big yeah. time. And he does it. I mean, it sounds like he recorded it back then, so it's not like all. Ooh, that's cool. That's cool. Steven, you're fuzzing again. Uh, <laughs> And then, I mean, Sigur Rose, I can't, I'm always listening to that. New, I've been, dude, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this band called Graveyard. I don't know if anybody's listened to them yet. I have. I have. Yeah, Graveyard's amazing. <laughs> Where's <laughs> Graveyard? Where's Graveyard? Yes, you do. Don't talk. Where's Graveyard from? <laughs> I believe they're from Sweden. Yep. I... Sweet uh, Graveyard opened for Mastodon yeah, and Clutch, clutch. Yeah. and I missed it. Oh, dude, they're so I walk, I walked in on Mastodon and Clutch, and they were like ending. I, I totally, I totally missed the whole set. Yeah, um, Graveyard's amazing. I mean, dude, like even a lot of like all this new wave of just killer stoner metal. Like, mm-hmm. if you consider you know, that the new songs I've heard from Baroness are amazing. Mastodon's last record, I love, I love their new stuff. I don't know why people are so weird about it. Me too. Me too. Um, but yeah, I listen to that. Mutoid Man, dude. Dude. Man. Steve Brodsky. You can't. Dude can do no wrong in my eyes. Nailed it. I love that Mutoid Man album. I was blown away when I heard it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, man. And High on Fire is the record. Speaking of stone metal. Steven, 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 Steven. <laughs> What part you sound, of don't, you sound like Wally? I don't part, care anymore. What part of I don't, don't care? What part of I don't fire? Yeah, <laughs> 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 screw it. You have derailed. 
There you go. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's coming back. Yes, high on fire is amazing. So anyway, the new Amy Grant record's really good. <laughs> Shut up, you drunk. Uh, yeah, the new high on fire. Oh god. Speaking of Kurt, uh, he recorded that. Kurt from Converge. Why, yep. Why? Why are some people just so damn good at recording? <laughs> well, he just needs to just stop being so awesome. Like yeah. you're in Converge. Don't be. Don't be a good producer too. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Stop sucking all the awesome out of the room and leave some for us. He's recorded recorded some of my my favorite newer heavy bands like, and yeah. they always sound good. Today's the day actually went in for a record with them. I mean, I'm not a big huge fan of the, the album, but the production sounded awesome. We'll do that. Like, I don't know if you, if you guys listen to that Code Orange band, um, but that record <laughs> sounds it's massive, man. Yeah, it is crushing. So they they did that there, at his studio. Kurt, yeah, Kurt did the Code Orange record. I think it came out. I think it's out on Death Wish. So. Yeah. And speaking of Death Wish, man, I love that new Woven Hand album. Have you guys gotten to them at all? No. Well, yeah, but I I haven't heard it. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh. I love listening to Travis like these little background. I know he's like, okay, so. I didn't say that. I'm still here. I'm still hearing him wide awake. He's going to text me tomorrow morning. Why did you keep talking? <laughs> He'll probably text me tomorrow morning and ask me why the penguins suck. <laughs> He'll send me a text message going like, yo, we should cut like an hour out of that episode. Can you please oh. find all the little spots where we can cut them out? <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to... No, there's not. Can I go to bed now? Wow. Oh, good night. Wow. <laughs> Russ and Scott, thank you so much for Thanks, being on Thanks, guys. The show. Really sweet. You're very, so you're awesome. very welcome. Thank you. It's literally our pleasure. Likewise. My pleasure. <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> I love it. It's literally our pleasure. You didn't sell it, man. It's like, it's like Chick-fil-A. Can you please do it in the tone of waking your daughter up? Good night, everyone.
your ass isn't black? This is... <laughs> Alright, camera's on. Let's see it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Fire him up. We love you. Take care. Bye-bye.